0: In meinem Podcast bekommst du sehr persönliche Geschichten von Mehrsprachigkeit aus der ganzen Welt zu hören. Lehn dich zurück und lass dich inspirieren. Hello and welcome to the next episode of Multilingual Stories. I am super excited today to have Cherry Jones from the Culture Bland as my guest. Jerry is the owner of the Culture Blend. I love the name, by the way. Um, He's a trainer and a coach and works in a multicultural setting, and he currently lives in China. Jerry, where do you come from? How did you end up in China? Tell us
1: yeah that's a great question to start with. Um, I'm excited to be here by the way. I'm looking forward to this conversation so i I grew up in uh, right in the middle of the United States uh, in a very rural rural context, uh, very monocultural, very monolingual. Language was something that we you know we took as a class. It was like math and science and and uh, and that was as far as most of the people around around me got with learning a new language. Um, and so, uh, I spent, uh, spent my entire life there growing up. Um, I remember there was one day that, uh, my father came home from work and I overheard him having a conversation with my mother about a job that had been offered to him in Brazil. And, uh, and it was like the most exciting day of my childhood. I, I was, there was something in me that was just like, this would be so cool. I would love to move to Brazil, I had I had already moved in my head, wow. um, and uh, and found out years later. I was talking to my dad. He was like, "Yeah, we didn't even consider that." It just, I, like it just came up. It just it was a conversation. The conversation was, "Hey, we're not moving to Brazil." But in my head, as a kid, there was something that really was exciting about that, and it was it was kind of my wannabe TCK moment. I, I like I uh, dreamed of that, and I always dreamed about places. I knew they existed. Um, but I think there was this, there was this mental cultural block It's like people where I come from don't do that. They don't, uh, they don't move abroad, you know, they maybe go on vacation somewhere in the Caribbean, you know, they go to Mexico, uh, but that's, that's it. And, and so that was, that was my experience growing up and then, um, uh, in college, Uh, met, uh, met this girl who's my wife now, uh, 24 years later. And, uh, she had traveled, she'd grown up very much like me, uh, but she had, she'd been out of the country a little bit. And so we explored that together. And then in 2003, we, uh, adopted our daughter from China. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that was, um, I had, we'd done an internship in Taiwan for six months and that was my first time in, in mainland China. And then in 2006, we, we moved to to China. Uh, we've been in three cities since then, and uh, four if you count moving back to the U.S. We moved back to the U.S. for about two years, and uh, and it's been it's been wonderful. It's been amazing, uh, and it's been challenging and really really hard. Uh, so, like, yeah, that's that's the the nutshell of of my story.
0: I need to dig a little deeper here. Yeah, dig. dig. <laughs> I need to dig here because. I mean, I find it fascinating that, you know, you describe yourself as you grew up in rural, the rural states and like there was, you never left the country basically. And now you actually work as a coach and a trainer for multicultural settings like that. That's a huge leap. So, you know, you describe this dream somehow that you fulfilled yourself, but... but, i'm missing a few steps in between like <laughs>
1: right. yeah and and maybe i am too like i don't i don't know what it was in me that even from uh, from early childhood uh, there was a fascination with culture i like i absolutely love digging into what makes us different what makes us the same and then what happens when groups of those people interact with each other uh and so i did uh, I did my undergraduate in in international studies and did a master 's degree in uh, in the same and and just really really uh, it, there there has always been a fascination in me uh, about what happens when when cultures blend you know when they when they come together and and the challenges that come with that but also the The opportunities that uh, that can be seen in that, and I love it. Like I, um, one of my favorite things in the world is to be in a new country. That's like that first day walking around um, and just taking it all in and realizing I don't get it yet. Like I don't understand any of this, Um, but just to be fascinated by it. I love airports. I love watching people. Uh, And and then I love digging down deeper into that, you know, meeting people and and having the conversations and uh, working through the uh, whether it's it's a language barrier or a uh, or a cultural barrier. Uh, I really enjoy digging into that. And 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 I and I realized, I think, um, as we moved to China, that that was my passion, that I really enjoyed that. And uh, I started off. Working with Chinese students, so it was we were we were teaching English, but it was uh, part of my job was to develop curriculum for international uh, Chinese international business employees, people who were going to either travel abroad or or work with international companies, and so I got to develop uh, kind of a cross cultural training course and a, um, a language acquisition course and. Uh, and, Ooh, and that was the
0: language was so <laughs> fun.
1: oh yeah yeah it was it was so fun um it was so it was so fun to watch them uh because them coming from uh, possibly even a more monocultural place than i had come from they had come from rural china and many of them had never you know worked with listened to really encountered foreigners before and so um and it was it was just it was so enjoyable to uh really build those relationships and and see what it was like for them to see my culture from their perspective and to get a glimpse through their eyes uh, and i did i just never looked back i i um continued to dig into that and still love it um, every day so what
0: i find absolutely fascinating about this whole story is something that you you just mentioned it in a side note actually. So you, you speak from your heart and you're so fascinated and like you know it's so tangible how how mm. much you enjoy all this and how curious you are about this yeah. whole topic. And then in a side note, you say yeah, well, you did a master's um, and an undergraduate in, in international studies. Like right. you you built the foundation. Like there seems to have yeah. always been this fascination. And then, yeah, and then, well, you also, you know, you you gave it some some basics by going to college and
1: yeah, right, and right.
0: Give it some foundation. I find that amazing because you know you barely talk about that, but it's there obviously. And you, it was it. yeah.
1: It's so that's such an interesting conversation because because um, I rarely look back at uh, at college as as the as the thing that um, really helped that blossom, but I, I think it did lay a foundation and it, it gave me and it gave me the framework. It gave me some of the tools that I used uh, as I as I moved into a cross cultural setting that, that really did uh, chart the course for the ability to to soak that up and to and to just be a, a learner. Um, and so that yeah, it was it was that was a big piece of it. Uh, uh, but it, it, it was like that was classroom and, and then, there's, then there's life, yes. right? Um, and that, that is the function of the classroom, though. Like it, it charts the course for us. It, it kind of um, makes that path you know, doable.
0: Great. Yeah. So if I, if I have the timeline in mind correctly, then the, the actual move into a cross-cultural setting for you was the adoption of your daughter, right?
1: That was not the move. Uh, that, was, that was a, a two week trip that we took. It was the first time we had seen mainland China. Uh, we traveled around a little bit, kind of got a, a taste for it. And I, th- I think at that point we knew that we were, that we were headed overseas. We were preparing to, uh, to move overseas. We thought that we would go to Taiwan just because we had been there. We spent about six months there uh, in college. And, um, but then we, you know, we traveled around a little bit and said, yeah, I think we could do this. You know, we could, um, we could, we could live here. And, and then that began the process. We wanted to have a little bit of time with our daughter just to become a family and, uh, have the stability, be around grandparents. And so, uh, we, for a couple of years, we stayed in the States after we adopted her. And then in 2006, we, uh, we moved to China.
0: How old was she when you adopted her?
1: She was 9 months old.
0: She was she was a baby still, beautiful.
1: Yeah, beautiful. yeah, definitely.
0: But that was that was the transition for your family to become a multicultural family basically
1: yeah, by adopting yeah. your
0: daughter. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And when you adopted her you already had this path in mind that you would also move to her home country basically or in the in the direction of her home country. Yeah. Basically. Did, right, yeah. Was there a connection between the two, or was that coincidence, so
1: to say? Yeah, I, I think I think our time in Taiwan was uh, it was that it was that first opportunity to really connect with Chinese culture and Chinese language, people, and and we knew that we loved that, um, and I, I think that was the connection when we started thinking about adoption. Um, we knew that we were pretty international people and so it'd probably be an international adoption. And it was a pretty easy jump to say, we already love China. We love, uh, we love the culture. We love the people. Um, why would we not do that? And so that, that drove us to adopt from China. And at, at that time that was, um, there were a lot of Chinese adoptions. Things have slowed down some since then, but, um, that was, so it was a, it was a quick decision, um, and then being there, you know, being in—I uh, think we went to three, three or four cities—and uh, just got to see what real life looks like. It was—it was that jump from, uh, like, for me, has happened so many times, especially coming from a monocultural place. Like, you, you read books, you you watch movies, you you form an idea about what a culture looks like. But then you step into it and um and you get to see it and smell it and taste it and and then it becomes real and and so that was our first experience um really uh, at least in in this part of uh, of the world and uh so it was a it was a big shift for us
0: and I mean there's a huge cultural difference between the states and between China right I mean that's a, that's a so i mean i've I've lived in different countries too but Um, I think the biggest culture shock I had was moving from Austria to the Netherlands, which sounds really funny. And I think I had the shock because I expected to find something that's close to home. Mm
1: -hmm. And then
0: I had to realize, no, this is nothing like a home. But I mean, still, the difference is never going to be like moving to China. That's a different setting.
1: Yeah, and I and I think I think you're absolutely right. Like that, um, sometimes that massive gap, uh, it's just like okay, I expect this and this and this. Everything is going to be different, and so there's no shock when it is. Um, you still have to wrestle through the challenges of of those differences and uh, and and figure out how to how to navigate that, but. When it feels like it's supposed to be the same thing or similar and 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 then because those differences then are layers deep, right like they're they're under the surface, but they're still there and and just because we're saying things in the same language doesn't mean that we're thinking the same thing or uh, and so there's a lot of translation that still needs but
0: well, there is not the same language between the Netherlands and Austria. right right, right,
1: right. <laughs> but, but the but the cultural similarities right
0: but yeah, but um so. Your daughter was two years old when you moved. Yeah, to three yeah. years old, between two we and moved three right years.
1: before she, right before her third birthday, just a couple months before her third birthday. Did
0: she go to? Oh, and then did she go to any daycare when you moved there? Did yeah. she was she get did she get in touch with Chinese with the language immediately?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a. Um, uh, we had a house helper that first couple of years um, who who helped with her and, and uh, spoke a lot of Chinese to her. She went to she actually went to five schools before she graduated kindergarten um, because uh, she there were a couple of different daycares. Uh, I think two of them. There was a Chinese daycare that she went to. She went to an international school for a little bit. Then she went to a was kind of an international school. It was, uh, it was Chinese run and they spoke English for half of the day, Chinese for the other half of the day. Uh, and it was, it was so, it was so fun, uh, because we, we had the, the Christmas program that year and, uh, all of the parents of course were standing around and her, her line was, hi, my name is Rachel and I'm five years old. Uh, and and when she spoke, and she's always been very well spoken, like her English is is really good. Um, she's just always been a very smart, well spoken kid. And but when she spoke, she spoke in this really thick Chinese accent, and it was like her. So it was like her second language was bad English, um, because that's what she'd listened to all day. But in her <laughs> mind, she would she would just. Uh, like she knew how to say the line in perfect English, but this is how she was learning it at, at school. And she was able to kind of switch and speak the, the language uh, of the people who were teaching her to speak the language that she already spoke.
0: That is so funny. So, yeah. so basically she speaks American English,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Chinese English. Chinese English. <laughs> And, and then she and was learning
1: Chinese, Chinese and as well. Mandarin
0: yeah. Chinese, I suppose.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. How old is she now? She's sixteen. 16 She's sixteen. Wow! So you've been living in China for a really long time.
1: Yeah, mo- close to close to fourteen years. We in two thousand nine, we took a trip back. Um, we thought that we were. Uh, going back for five months just to see family and and kind of reconnect a little bit uh, and during that time we adopted our son uh, from the U.S. And and so we went through all of that process all of the you know the court dates and, and everything that goes with that it was very fast like from the time we decided to the time that we had him in our arms was was three months. Uh, wow. I mean it was, just, wow. it was just super fast for an adoption. Um, but but then you have to you have to do all the final work and, and all of that. So about four months later, then we came back to China. And, uh, and so we spent about a year there. Most of 2009, we were in the States. And then in 2013, we repatriated, went back to the States and, and thought we were done. And uh, two years later, we, we were back in China.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Um, during those, so I suppose your daughter is fluent in
1: Chinese. Um you know I would I would say she it this is really interesting I would say um she does well she is um strong conversational she uh she reads a lot more than either of us do uh she um she knows a lot more than she says but a couple of things have been really interesting in her language development. Uh, One, she's grown up in an international school. So every day is English. Her friends speak English. So she doesn't have a full on everyday exposure. Um, She's been in class all of her life. So she she knows a lot. Um, She's also incredibly introverted. uh, And so sometimes we're surprised to hear her say things that we just didn't know she knew. uh, And because she just, she will not put herself out there. The other piece, and I think this has been instrumental, is that um, ethnically and by appearance, she's Chinese. And so she has grown up with this uh, from the time she was just a little girl, uh, like we will get on the bus, uh, people will gather around us, you know, not because of her, because of us, Uh, but they'll talk to her because she looks Chinese, so she must speak Chinese. And they'll ask her, you know, who's who's your mother, who's your father, and uh, and she'll roll her eyes and point at us, and 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 adoption is just not a like it's not understood quite in the same way uh, between the two cultures, and it's it's not a it hasn't been a mainstream thing in the past, and so especially for older generations, it's it's fascinating, and it's and there's not culturally there is not that. Uh, that barrier that would say it's rude to dig into your personal affairs here. And so they just start asking her questions. You know, it's, it's impossible. They don't even look like you. They, um, your hair is so black. You look like a Chinese girl. Aren't you Chinese? And so she has, she has pulled away from those conversations a little bit and it's been, it's just been a whole different learning experience. Right. Um, it's just been different for her than it has been for us. We get in a taxi and say hello, and the, the taxi driver says, whoa, your Chinese is so good, right? But if she doesn't say it perfectly, they wonder what's wrong with her, right? Like, why don't you speak Chinese? And, and those, you know, I, th- I think that is, um, it's, it's just certainly not really motivational um, to, to realize that you're never going to be able to say it right. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I, I wouldn't call her fluent, Um, but she's definitely conversational and she's worked hard um, to get where she is.
0: This feels a little bit like she was constantly confronted with the fact that she's neither completely one of them, nor one completely one of you. Sure.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And that, I mean, that's been there's, and she can't escape it. You know, she's not a hidden immigrant. You know, she, there's just this shock. And still today, like we went to Starbucks last weekend and, um, and there was some special offer. They were trying to upsell us on something. And I go to the counter and I do the talking and I, I have the conversation, but the girl behind the counter will not look at me. Like she, um, she instantly looks to my daughter and, and my daughter hasn't said a word. Uh, She just assumes that she's the translator for me, and uh, and that happens all the time, and uh, so I, like sometimes I'll jump in there because I know it's it's making her uncomfortable, and uh, it's it's a very interesting dynamic, um, and I and I think um, I think it is it, it's been in some ways a barrier to language learning for her, um, and she's certainly as anyone would has gone through you know highs and lows connected to that, and there've been times when. Uh, when she loves that part of her identity and, and other times that she struggles with it, just like, um, the rest of us, you know, uh, we all, we all have those Absolutely. elements that we struggle with. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. It's probably just more visible with her. Sure. Yeah. 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 And then she has a brother who's yeah. American. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: So, um, how old was he when you adopted him?
1: He was two days old. Um Wow. Yeah, um, straight straight from the hospital. Um, there was a two day, a forty eight hour waiting period, uh, and and we we brought him straight home. Yeah. And how and old was your was,
0: daughter at that time? I lost track of the years. Yeah, she
1: uh, she was six, I believe, um, when yeah when he was born. Okay.
0: And then he was four months
1: old when we came back to China.
0: How's his Chinese?
1: His is his interestingly. Um, is good he struggles with learning in class um he, he just you know he, a lot of people do <laughs> absolutely absolutely i do too um, he, but he is he's full-on relational and uh and he's, he's very extroverted he's the the two of them are, are polar opposites they they just process life differently they engage differently uh, and so, so for him, it's been neat to watch how that classroom stuff, kind of like with me in college, you know, like it, it has laid a foundation and he understands how the language works and, and grammatically how it's set up. Uh, but it has, it has been really neat to watch him as he, uh, engages with his friends and, and even, you know, through this COVID experience has been a lot more engaged with people around the neighborhood and, and his language has, has continued to, to grow. Um, so, so he does all right as well. Most of us, like all of us, we do okay. <laughs> There's still so much to learn. Uh, it's a hard language. Uh, we have, you know, I mean, we've we've laid out our excuses as well, you know. Um, but we we've gotten around and we've lived very comfortably in, in in China. We've made great friends and had some some great experiences. And we could have learned a lot more language. Absolutely.
0: Well, but I mean. One of the, the factors that play a huge role with how well you develop your languages is how motivated you are. And you Absolutely. told me that you work in an international setting. So you work mm-hmm. in an international school. Your kids go to an international school. Yeah. So um, your everyday language is still English, even though you it live is, in this yeah. country. Yeah. So that kind of, you know, puts a lid on on the motivation. Because it does, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and yeah.
1: It, it's so interesting to me. Um, I, was, I was thinking about this as, as I was um, getting ready to, to have this conversation. Uh, there's, a, there's a guy who lived here who worked in the school. He was a teacher in the, in the school that my kids go to um, about my age. He grew up in the same city that I came from in the states. Actually, very similar background, very <laughs> monocultural.
0: Fascinating. <there. laughs>
1: um, yeah, yeah it's, it's so it was just a complete fluke. Like, um, you know,
0: we say the he, world is a village when when something it like it happens. is. It absolutely
1: <laughs> is. Yeah, and he like he went. We both went to. There were two small private schools in my town. It's not a big town. Uh and he went to the other one. And so we had these these really parallel experiences. Um and I was I was just thinking about his language is outstanding. His Chinese language is phenomenal. He's he was in China for less amount a uh, less amount of time than I was or have been. Um, but he is he was so motivated by what happens when he gets it wrong. Like he hated to get it wrong. Uh, and, and he would just, so if he got it wrong, that drove him right back to his books, right back to the apps. Right. And he would work and work and work until he got it right. Um, I wanted to get where I was going. And so as long as I could get to the store, as long as I could get there, um, I was I was satisfied and then I would do my work with people who who spoke English but we were we were motivated by different things yes. um and his language far 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 exceeds mine like it's 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 been incredible to watch him yeah
0: this is this is such an interesting point and it basically confirms what I always like to do with the families that I work with, because one of the very first things, one of the very first tasks the families get from me is they need to decide what the goals for the languages is.
1: Right, yeah, absolutely.
0: Is it it enough for the children to be able to speak to the grandparents and the relatives, Mm -hmm. or do they want them to to be in an academic setting eventually, to go to school? That are, those are very different goals for the language and depending on the goals you have you need to yeah. adjust the strategy that you follow like right, you, right. you were happy i mean you were happy with um being able to shop and being able to have a conversation with the neighbor that was not enough for him
1: he wanted yeah right, to really right. Get more, it right. yeah absolutely and that's and we have you know, our understanding, our direction, our um, our approach has shifted and changed, and over our experience in China, uh, and and we we have we, we've had a wonderful experience, uh, and we've made great friends, uh, Chinese and expat. Uh, it's been it's been rich and good, and absolutely there are things that we could have done right there are relationships that we could have gone deeper with if we were uh if we were better at this language if we understood more um but we're we're overall satisfied with with this, experience. this friend of
0: yours does he have children does he have a family
1: he actually has six or seven children um i think which is uh yeah yeah <laughs> because
0: um, my guess would have been well maybe he didn't have any kids and so he
1: no 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 I, I think he started he started learning maybe before uh, or, or while his his oldest kids were younger. Uh, he he dug into those, and he also I, I believe that he worked in spaces where where Chinese was more a part of his everyday language early on. Uh, but then he also discovered that he really loved it, you know, the, and and that he was good at it, and that he could have access to different layers of relationship, and and so like he he absolutely connected with with the national staff on on who all spoke english like they all were able to communicate with me and i could have good and what i thought were deep conversations but when you speak a heart language you can go you can go layers deeper so he was a, he was a great example of that
0: now i have a completely different question just because i'm really curious how on earth did you learn the tones
1: oh my um. <laughs> I learned so I think there are there are multiple answers to that. Um, maybe, I should so,
0: explain, maybe I should explain. Maybe not everybody knows what that means. So right, Chinese yeah. is a tonal language. That means um, mm-hmm. m- maybe Jerry can give us an example because I can't obviously. <sighs> Basically it it means that the same the same combination of sounds can mean something completely different if you if you say it in a slightly <laughs> higher pitch and i yes. think mandarin chinese has three am i right four, 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 four tones numbers. four tones so depending on how high your voice is you know just the meaning of the word changes
1: so does, somebody
0: yes. who doesn't know that kind of language is right. a complete loss at the beginning right absolutely
1: yeah yeah and it's um it, it is the it's the culprit behind so many uh, faux pas and mistakes and misunderstandings and and it, it it's hard and so like the first the first answer to the question how did I learn that is I I learned how they work you know we had a tutor our first year who explained there's there's a first tone second tone third tone fourth tone um, but then it's it's a matter of attaching those four tones to every word that you pick up and some things sound exactly the same in in my mind Um, (laughs) one of the biggest challenges was when you're learning a language it's very natural to for at least for English speakers to to change your tone to ask a question so um, she says and I say ma like I'm asking like am I saying that right no you changed the tone and so you actually changed the word, uh, because you were asking a question. And so like getting that out of your head, mimicking and, um, and really digging into how all of that works. So I learned how they work. Um, and then it was just rote memorization and practice and mistakes. Uh, but also, yeah, I, I didn't, um, <laughs> uh, like, I, my tones are off all the time, and so I rely heavily on context of the conversation and the fact that I'm a foreigner. So if they're looking at me, they they know that I'm I'm saying things wrong. I mean, my accent, everything about this conversation is me saying it wrong. I'm hoping we can get to the meaning of, of what what I'm trying to communicate. Well, um,
0: so a little background here from from the linguistic point of view. is So when we yes, learn please. our mother tongue or our mother tongues. There is this certain point where the system is basically fixed in our head, like yes. cognitively in our brain. This is stored and it, it it gets this, this is it. This is what language looks like. This is what language sounds like. This is what you need to expect. And there's a very good reason for that. So as grown-ups, we might find it really frustrating that it's so hard to learn a foreign language. But there's a really good reason behind it because, you know, we need to function in our mother tongue every day and you know yes. in in suboptimal circumstances as well. Like I think everybody, I don't know, did you have those foreign language lessons where you had those listening comprehension exercises where they play a tape? Well, when I was in school, it was still oh, yeah. a tape, and you yes. get this this um Um, station announcements with the trains in the background or airport announcements and you still need to understand what they're saying because if you can do that that shows that you have reached a certain level in the language right but language is not just what we produce it's also what we hear and what we process and what we interpret and what we understand so that's That's also part of of knowing a language, understanding the language. Now with the tones, the funny thing is that in the beginning you probably didn't even hear them. You didn't hear that there was a difference, like a four layer difference. Yes, maybe you heard a difference between the first and the fourth, but you probably didn't hear the difference between the second and the third. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. No. It was. uh, Yeah. Early on, that was the most frustrating part of language learning. Like, are. Teacher would be trying to teach us a just a, a simple word. She said, "e," and I would say "e." She said, no, "No, no, no, e, <laughs> e, no, 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 e, e, yeah, 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 that's it." You know, and then you get it, and you but you have no idea how but how you, you got it right. Yeah. You, you didn't even, like. I don't know what I said differently than I said the, the other thirty times. Um, and, and then she'd say it again and, and I would be wrong again. Um, and, and for a Chinese teacher, um, it's, it's so natural, right? Like, it's just, you're saying this wrong. So say it right. Um, for me, I'm like, did you understand what I said or not? Did we get to the <laughs> point? If we did, then let's move on. Um, and so it, it was very, very frustrating. Um, and continues to be, but, uh, but we've, we've gotten into the, we live in a world now where we know what we know and we know what we don't know. And so we can take what we do know and uh, form the conversation around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we get to the point where we don't know, we just say, we don't know. Um, and uh, I mean, talking on the phone is absolutely <laughs> Oh my god, that's um,
0: a different challenge. Yeah, because
1: you can start the conversation fairly well, which says I speak Chinese. Um, and you know the understanding is, okay, you speak all of Chinese, and so then they just go on and, and keep going and so we like a lot of times we end that conversation with "I'm sorry, I'm a foreigner, and that's it that's enough for them. They're like, "Oh oh, okay, and they either hang up or they have somebody call us back
0: okay, because a lot of them probably don't speak english
1: yeah there's yeah it's it's not standard for i mean there are, certainly people study English. Uh, most most people on the street, most um, people that you would do business with, you know, have have some level, which means you know, a few words. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's not English does not help you be functional in most of daily life. There's plenty of people who speak English and and who are fluent in English, uh, but just in the day to day everyday person, uh, there's there's a barrier there for sure.
0: So there's a big change ahead coming for you in your life, right? You're about is, to yeah. move to China and you're about to move to Malta.
1: Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. So
0: Malta, basically that's English speaking. So that's not going to be an issue. Do you have any plans about how to keep Chinese alive, especially for the kids?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. Um, and I think part of the answer to that is uh, we will, we will see what the community looks like when we get there. You know, yeah. um, I, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to make some Chinese friends. I know, I know that there are lots of expats. There are lots of people from all over the world in Malta. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're watching this and you are Chinese from Malta, look us up. We'd love to. to <laughs> yes. See that
0: um,
1: we we absolutely um, we we've established a a network of what I call lifers uh, people that. Lifers are the people that if you get in proximity to them again within a few hours or, or, you know, a certain amount of money, if that's the only barrier between you and them, then you'll, you'll get there, right? You will invest, you will sacrifice to see those people again. And so I'm thrilled with our network of, of people who are all over the world. Um, and many of them are in China. Uh, we look forward to, to seeing those people again. Um, I, I don't think this will be the last time that we are in China. Um, this is a big piece of our life and it's been, been a big piece of our life. It has been our lives for, for a long time. And so we, we absolutely want to keep that alive and, uh, keep those, those connections going as well.
0: Beautiful. Now, this has been a very long conversation and I think we could keep going for hours.
1: Yeah, We we could do this for a while. (laughs) This is fun.
0: But I still, for this time, I would like to conclude with the question that I always conclude with. And you will probably have a lot to say about that too, um, since it's such a big part of your life. So how do you see this whole multicultural life, this crossing, blending cultures relate to the big questions and issues of our time, like climate change, like refugees,
1: It's, it's huge. It's everything. Like it is, uh, those are global issues, right? Like the the issues that show up on the news every night are issues that are, they're just not bound by borders anymore. They're not, they're not one, one group's problem. And, and so I'm, I am super excited about multilingual, multicultural, multinational people who who not only, um, like me, uh, like I have, I have learned it on top of my foundation. My foundation was monocultural, right? It was, and there were some big barriers for me to shift my mind, to be able to think in different ways and to connect with people. Uh, but my kids, when they, you know, when I heard Brazil, I don't know what I thought, you know, maybe soccer, maybe, <laughs> Uh, I, I, I had no frame of reference for that when I was a kid. Yeah, um, yeah. But my kids think about the, the, the other students that they have gone to school with from Brazil, right? Like, of course, they think soccer as well, but they have relationships. When they look at the map, they don't see stereotypes. They see people, and they've got relationships with people from all over the world. Um, I think about it in these terms. Like, when I learned about world systems, political world systems growing up. I learned about them from other monocultural people who had very strong opinions and ideas and very small frames of reference that had come from the political background of our country and only our country. So I learned about communism from people who felt like that was enemy number one, right? My son, two years ago, uh, was chosen to represent, I love this, um, he was chosen to represent South America uh, in a huge summit where President Xi came to our our city, Vladimir Putin was there, Prime Minister Modi, and the leaders, the heads of state from, it was 14 or 16 countries, it was the leaders of more than half the world's population. Um, He spent six weeks preparing for this enormous uh, it, was, it was a huge program that they did. I mean, there were dancers and, and lights and fireworks, and they changed the landscape of the city. It was incredible. Um, my son learned a little bit about communism by performing for some of the uh, most powerful communist leaders in the world. I don't think he's ever going to choose communism as his, as his political party. He, he probably won't. I, I really doubt it because he's grown up with us, right? But when you have, like, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, when you need two people to come to the table and to talk about differences in political systems and to try to find solutions for the world's problems, who do you want? You want me who was planted with... No, no, no! Or the other guy who is parallel to me, who grew up over here, who where the U.S. was enemy number one. Like we can't come to the table and talk about those things, but my kids can uh, because they can actually think from the perspective of other people, and they can they realize that they're that this is a multilingual, multicultural world that we live in, and those are the people that I want leading the way and solving the problems as as we move forward. I think it's. Um, So I am absolutely excited about multicultural life, um, people growing. I think it is one of the most beautiful experiences that you can have that you can give your kids. uh, And I think we are setting them up to lead us into the future.
0: This is absolutely beautiful. This gives me goosebumps. And this is exactly it's good. what yeah. I work for. This is exactly what I'm here for. Yeah. This is exactly what I work for and why I'm going out there and why I'm doing this Important. podcast yeah. and social media and everything for this. Thank yeah. you so, so much, Cherry, for Thank taking you. the time so for sharing yeah. your story. Um, it was absolutely amazing, and I love this conversation. I hope everybody else is going to enjoy it as much.
1: Good. Yeah, it was, it was so fun. I really appreciate this time. Uh, this is a great conversation, and we could keep talking for hours. Absolutely.
0: Sure I think we have to do this again for
1: yeah, a, sure. another I would time. Love
0: Thank you so, so, so much.